How many of you believe there's power in the name of Jesus? Come on, let's give him a praise this morning. Not a praise like how you feel, but let's give him a praise like he deserves in this house this morning. Father, we thank you that chains of addiction have to fall. The chains of depression have to fall. The chains of discouragement have to fall. The chains of self-loathing have to fall. And God, we thank you, Lord, that we are able to stand in your name and stand in identity with who you are and who we are in you, Jesus. We give you praise today. We lift you up in this house for you're worthy of it, God. You're worthy today. You're worthy today. And Lord, we thank you that you're breaking chains and that you're making differences in lives, God, and that people's lives are being changed and transformed by who you are and what you're doing. We give you glory, Jesus. We give you glory. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. You may be seated in the house of the Lord today. It is good to be in the house of the Lord to worship with you. It is good to just get together with God's people. And uh, I've, I've got friends that aren't Christians, and they're okay to hang out with. But when I get together with family, like I am today, it just is a whole other situation. And I really enjoy that. And so it is an honor to be with you. It's an honor to, to minister here and an honor, honor to just worship together with you. And I just want to say thank you to your pastor, even though he's not here, and uh, to his wonderful wife. They are uh, just been great friends to me and, and heroes to me, and probably don't even know that, but they're wonderful, and I love them so much. And so uh, my name is Bill, if you didn't catch that a while ago. Uh, for almost 20 years, I worked on staff in churches or pastored a church. Um, I've done everything you can possibly do from being a clown to cleaning the toilet to preaching. And so uh, I took all those skills in January and we moved into a new season in our life. And we are the uh, campground superintendents for the New River Ranch that the Church of God owns. We have a beautiful 288 acre facility that houses a year round children's home. We have 26 kids on, uh, on the property that have been removed from their home for whatever reason, some for truancy, others uh, because their parents have issues or going to jail, that type of thing. Um, and we provide them a home atmosphere with Christian parents. Uh, they go to church. We do devotions with them, those sort of things. Uh, the sad part of it is, is that in our state, we could double or triple the amount of kids that we service if we just had a facility to put them in. And so we, we don't at this point. We're just praying that God meets a need there. We'd like to build another cottage um, going forward. Uh, but I haven't found my rich uncle yet, so uh, we can't build that cottage just yet, but that's okay. And uh, I work on the other side of the ground that has eight cottages, hotels, cafe, all kinds of things like that. This year, over nine weeks, we hosted over a thousand kids that came through. We had over 350 saved in nine weeks. We had, go ahead, give the Lord praise. We had over... We had 175 filled with the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in tongues. We had kids called into ministry. We had kids set free, delivered, healed, and God is working. Amen? Amen. God is working. And so you're a part of that. You're a part of what happened there um, by being a part of our organization. And so we just thank you for all that you do. And, and it's just good to be here. Go with me to the book of Acts chapter 10. And uh, so now that we've got all that out of the way, and I've said thank you and all of that, I'm going to tell you, I've, I've been preaching since I was 13 years old. I've preached all over the place, and I've probably never been as intimidated as I am today to fill Brian Matthews' pulpit. That's the God's honest truth. Um, but we're going to have fun either way, and I believe that God's going to move. I hope that you came today ready for God to move and to do something. I hope you came with expectation. Um, I believe, I really believe this, I had something completely different, a different direction I was going to go, and last night about 11 o'clock, I was sitting at my desk, and I was praying, and um, this had been coming back to me, and I just pulled a U-turn and went in this direction, because I believe that God wants to heal someone this morning. Those are, those are bold words, but I serve a bold God. And so we're going to talk about Jesus the healer this morning. Stand with me, if you would, for the reading of God's Word, Acts chapter 10. We're going to read verse 38 together. The Bible says that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. 
And he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. For God was with him. Father, today I pray that you would just anoint me to preach your word, anoint me to preach with power, with authority. Lord, help me to articulate what it is you would have to say to your church, what it is you would have to say to your people. God, I pray that today our faith would be built. God, I pray that uh, there would be something stirred up within us this morning, that if we have need of a miracle from you, that we would not leave this place until we've grasped at the hem of your garment and said, God, give me the miracle that I need. God, I pray today that you would move in power, that lives would be touched and changed by your sweet Holy Ghost. Lord, we give you glory in this house in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. amen. You may be seated in the house of the Lord. As we look at this, we see the Bible in Acts, Peter here is talking, he begins to preach a sermon, and, and they're talking about this, and, and Peter begins to tell how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth to go about and to begin to heal and to begin to touch and to begin to move on people's lives. And the Bible says that he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil. We understand that when Jesus came to this earth, he didn't just come just to walk around, to have a good time. He didn't come to, to just kind of play patty cake with the devil. He didn't come to just show up and just kind of uh, sign a few autographs and go back and just be here for just a little bit and kind of accomplish nothing. He came to initiate the kingdom of God on the earth. He came to, to set the captive free. He came to heal those who were oppressed of the devil. He came to raise the dead. He came to see the sinners be be able to, to come to know Jesus and to come to a relationship with God. He came to initiate the kingdom of God on this earth. And part of what he did was that he healed those who were oppressed of the devil. Jesus did this, Jesus healed, in order to demonstrate the authority that God had given him. I want you to understand for just a moment that we don't serve a God that is weak. We don't serve a God that is powerless. We don't serve a God that is without an ability to do something in our lives. But we serve a God who is full of authority and full of power. We serve a God that is more than enough. And we serve a God who's able to meet every single need that you have in your life. And Jesus came healing those who were oppressed so that he might demonstrate to everyone watching him and to everyone who had an eye toward what he was doing that he was walking in the authority of God. First John 3 and 8 says that it was for this purpose that the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. He didn't come to put them on hold for a minute. He didn't come just to say you can't do this for a little bit but I'm going to let you go later. He came to utterly, completely and manifestly destroy the works of the devil. He came in order that the devil may not be able to overcome you, but that you may be able to overcome the devil through the power and the blood of Jesus Christ. Now, as I begin to think about sickness and disease, I had to come to a realization that there's this, I believe that the sickness comes from two places. Now, this first one's not going to make me real popular, and that's going to be okay because... I get to go home in about an hour and a half, so it'll be, we'll be all right. Improper stewardship of our body brings on sickness. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. We are bought with a price, and we need to take care of our temple. Um, I stand before you, I have lost almost 90 pounds because I was preparing a sermon on addiction, and the Lord spoke to me and said, how can you talk to them about addiction when you're addicted to food? I said, I don't like it when you talk to me like that, Jesus. Anybody else ever, you, you ever get chastised? Yeah. Oh, glory. And I was like, I don't like that. But we, through improper stewardship of the body, oftentimes bring on, uh, we oftentimes bring on sickness to ourselves. You cannot go to Tudor's every morning and eat biscuits and gravy and then go find a Big Mac every day for lunch and pepperoni pizza every day for dinner, and then curse heart disease and say, I just curse you in the name of Jesus. It just doesn't work that way. You can't go swimming in 10-degree weather and curse hypothermia. No, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't work like that. You can't eat a pack of Krispy Kremes every day washing it down with a 12-pack of Dr. Pepper because that is what flows from the throne of God. I don't know if that's in your theology, but we, we will have that at the marriage supper of the Lamb, I'm certain. You can't do that and then curse diabetes. It, it just doesn't work that way. 
oftentimes we harm ourselves more than we hurt ourselves, and then we sit back and blame the devil for it. Now, all sickness comes from the devil, but oftentimes we open ourselves up to things. The second place where, where sickness comes from that I believe is through, through sin. Adam and Eve would still be alive today except for sin. They were created to live forever. They began to sin and it allowed uh, their body to, to begin to break down. Now we know this, the, the devil is responsible for sickness. In Job chapter 2, the devil comes and he puts boils on Job. 2 Corinthians 12, the devil comes with a thorn in the flesh for Paul. And most scholars agree that that is a physical ailment in his body. So we understand that the devil is responsible for sickness. During the thousand-year reign of Christ, the devil will be bound and thrown into the pit. And Isaiah 33, 24 prophetically declares that the people will not say, I am sick during that time. So all sickness comes from the devil. If you get rid of the devil, you get rid of sickness. You get rid of the devil, we get rid of sickness. This is important to understand because if you think that God made you sick, it's hard to ask God to heal you. If, if my wife makes me breakfast, I can't look at her and say, I want something different. Anybody? Maybe you can in your house, right? But, you know, the last 12 years have taught me in my house <laughs> that I don't do that. And if we believe that God puts sickness on us, now, I... Not to cut the theological hair too fine, but God will allow us to go through things to test our faith and to, to try us and refine us as fire. But God, the Bible says all good and perfect things come from him. He doesn't take sickness and drop it on us and say, look at this. It's, it's not part of his nature. The nature of God is that he is a good father. He's a loving father and he's a healer. He is a healer. All four gospels record healing miracles of Jesus. But Luke has a unique perspective. Luke was a physician. He was a doctor. He trained under the Greeks, and the Greeks were the most advanced healers of his day. And so he came from a place before he met Jesus where he was trying to heal people. I almost imagine, I don't know, there's no record of this, but I almost imagine that he saw someone healed and he said, I've got to get a hold of what they're doing because they're doing it different than I'm doing and their way is way better. Uh, that's just how I imagine it happened. He has a unique perspective on things. He has the most exhaustive record of the miracles of Jesus. He understood the power that it took to heal the body. He understood what it meant for someone to be instantly made whole. He understood what it was for somebody's body to come back into alignment with how it should be and not how the enemy had been making it to be. He was in awe of what Jesus had done. In the Gospel of Luke, there are 13 uh, stories of individual healings. There are different other things that we could talk about, but I, I was reading through these, and, and if I had time this morning, I would exhaustively preach all 13 of those, but we'd still be here at midnight tonight, and we're not going to do that. So, uh, you know, I ate a bagel this morning. That's not enough for, for my size, so I have to preach and get you out of here so we can go find something to eat. But 13 stories of individual healings in the book of Luke. And I just want to hit a few of those this morning. In Luke 4, 34, the Bible says that he went down to Capernaum, a city of Galilee, and was teaching them on the Sabbath. And they were astonished at his teaching, for his word was with authority. Now in the synagogue, there was a man who had a spirit of an unclean demon, and he cried out with a loud voice, saying, Let us alone. What have we to do with you, Jesus of Nazareth? Did you come to destroy us? I know who you are. You're the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him and said, Be quiet and come out of him. And when the demon had thrown, had thrown him in their midst, it came out and did not hurt him. In Luke 4, 38, Peter's mother-in-law was healed. In Luke 4 and 40, when the sun was setting, all those who had any sickness with various diseases were brought to him, and he laid hands on every one of them and healed them. And demons also came out of many, crying out and saying, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Luke 5 and 12, he cleanses the leopard, and the leper says, if you will, and Jesus says to him, I will. I came by to tell somebody this morning that Jesus is speaking into your situation, and he's saying, I will. You 
you've been wondering, will he? Can he? Does he want to? Does he want to? Does he love me enough to do it? And Jesus says to you this morning, I will. I will heal you. I will set you free. I will deliver you. I will set your mind at ease. I will give you peace that passes understanding. I will do what you need in your life this morning. In Luke 5, 17, Jesus forgives and heals a paralytic. He provides the greatest miracle first, which is salvation. And then he heals the body. In Luke 6, 6, he heals a man with a withered hand. In Luke 6, 17, a great multitude of people from all of Judea and Jerusalem, from the seacoast of Tyre and Sidon came. They were hearing him, and they wanted to be healed of their diseases, as well as all of those who were tormented with unclean spirits, and they were healed. Come on, this is to build our faith this morning that this is the Jesus that we serve. Jesus didn't lose some measure of power when he went to the cross. In fact, afterwards, he came to them and said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. This is the Jesus that we serve today. This is the one that we serve today. The one that has all authority and all power. And the Bible says that power went out from him and healed them all. Luke 7 and 1, he heals a centurion's servant. It shows us by just his word that it can be healed and, and that there is power in the word of God. In Luke 7, 11, Jesus raises the son of the widow of Nain. In Luke 7 and 18, he says, Go tell John the things that you have seen and heard, that the blind see, the lame walk, the leopards are cleansed, the deaf hear, and the dead are raised. He's saying, listen, don't be discouraged by what you see around you in the world, but focus on what I am doing and be encouraged by what I'm doing in your life. Luke 8, 26, legion is healed. Luke 8, 44, a woman with the issue of blood is healed. Luke 8 and 50, Jairus' daughter is raised from the dead. Luke 9, chapter, chapter 9, verse 1, the Bible says that Jesus gave us the power to heal. Oh, come on now. Some of my brothers and sisters in Christ like to argue that this thing died when the apostles died. But he looked at them and he said, I want you to go out and wherever you go, lay hands on the sick and see them recover. Cast out demons. I want you to raise the dead. Let the lame walk. Let the dumb talk. This is what I want you to do. And, and, and then we understand that the Bible goes on to Acts and he says, this is for you and for your children and for your children's children and for all those who are to come. I'm an all those. This is for me today. This is for me and for you to be able to walk into Walmart and lay hands on the sick and see them recover. When I pastored a church, they, they learned that we had a little store called Rick's. It was about as big as this hanky. And they learned not to ask me for prayer in Rick's because I'll just put hands on them right there. And it wasn't because I was super spiritual. It's because I don't have a good enough mind to remember 30 minutes later who I was supposed to pray for. So I'm just going to put my hands on you right there and believe God to heal you right there and touch you right there and just let God take over from there because I'm just a guy anyway. But you know what? I'm a guy and you're a guy and you're a girl that can carry the power of God with us everywhere that we go. We should be walking into this world carrying the power and the anointing of the Holy Ghost. But I'm not a pastor. I'm not a preacher. Pastor, I don't know what you're talking about. I'm not. Every single one of us should walk in the authority and in the power of the Holy Ghost. Stephen, they, Stephen was, a, he was just a deacon. He fed people. That's all. He ran the food pantry. This is what Stephen did. He ran the food pantry. And he was out there and he was giving widows a meal and he'd just look at them and say, oh, I see your arthritis is acting up today, Gladys. And he'd put his hands on her and she'd be healed. He'd be over here to give somebody a bowl of soup and he'd say, oh, I see that, see your eyesight's not that good. And he'd put his hands on them and he'd be healed. This wasn't one of the apostles. This wasn't one of the, the people that traveled with Jesus. This wasn't the pastor. This wasn't one of the elders or any of those things. This was the guy that ran the food pantry. And because of the power that was on him, they decided to kill him. That's a good endorsement for getting this power, isn't it? Glory. But the enemy should be afraid when we wake up every morning. And Luke chapter 9 verse 1 says that Jesus gave us that power to walk out and to do the things that he was doing. The enemy should be afraid because now it's not just Jesus and his 12 disciples, but it's millions of us across the world. The gates of hell should have no ability to stand against us. Luke nine thirty seven, Jesus heals a boy of seizures. Luke 13 and 10, a woman who had a spirit of infirmity for 18 years is healed. 
Some of you sitting here today, and I started preaching, and you, you, you checked out on me immediately. I saw it in some of your faces because you, you're saying in your mind, well, you don't know how long I've been sick. You don't know how long I've dealt with this. You don't know how long I've been in every prayer line, and I've had everybody lay hands on me, and I've had oil dripping off my head and had to go get my hair did all over again. You don't know what I've been going through. For 18 years, this woman had been sick. For 18 years, she'd been afflicted. For 18 years, she tried everything. But all of a sudden, one encounter with Jesus changed her life. And I came by to tell you today that I believe that Jesus wants to encounter you this morning. In Luke 14 and 1, he heals a man with dropsy. In Luke 17, 11, he cleanses 10 lepers and only one returns to give praise. And Jesus says, you've been made whole and teaches that the kingdom is within each one of us. We are carrying kingdom seed inside of us and we should let the kingdom expand everywhere that we are. Luke 18, 35, then it happened as he was coming near to Jericho that a certain blind man said, set by the road begging and hearing a multitude passing by, he asked what it meant. And they told him that Jesus of Nazareth was passing by. And he cried out saying, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Then those who went before warned him that he should be quiet. But he cried out all the more saying, son of David, have mercy on me. So Jesus stood still and commanded him and brought to be brought to him. And when he had come near, he asked him, saying, What do you want me to do for you? And he said, Lord, that I might receive my sight. Jesus said to him, Receive your sight. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus, glorifying God. And all the people, when they saw it, gave praise to God. This was the last time that Jesus would pass this way. He was on the way through Jericho going up to Jerusalem and from that moment he would begin the trials and the, the, the circumstances that would uh, take the end of his earthly ministry and he would go to the cross and he would die and be crucified for you and I. This was the last time that he would pass by where this beggar was and Bartimaeus was blind but he had vision. He, he understood what was about to happen. He, he understood what, what Jesus was doing and what was going on and people look at, people, people look at us and say, why are you so loud? Why, why are you hollering like that? Why do you dance like that? Why are you shouting like that? And Jesus isn't deaf. Well, guess what? I know he isn't deaf, but I'm desperate and I need him to move in my life. And that's what they were doing to Bartimaeus. They're saying, shut up. Don't, don't get loud like that, Bartimaeus. Don't holler like that, Bartimaeus. And he said, I'm desperate for a move in my life and I'm going to holler until I catch his attention. And some of us in there this morning need to catch the attention of Jesus because we're desperate for him to move in our lives. He's passing by today. He wouldn't be back by that way that, uh, during that time in his earthly ministry. And Bartimaeus said, I need him to move in my life. How many of us would say, I need him to move in my life today? I can't go on without him. I, I can't take another step without him. I, I've, I've cried myself to sleep uh, too many nights. I, I've, I've went through too much on my own. And now it's time for me to put myself in his hands and, and let him do the work for me. It's time to, to let him move and minister. It's time to let him intercede and let him do what he does. And, and I'm, I'm just desperate. I'm going to cry out to him. When Jesus encountered sickness in the Bible, he healed it. I was talking about this one time, and, and afterwards, I wasn't preaching this particular sermon. I was just talking about healing, and somebody said to me, said, but that was Jesus. And my immediate response to them was this, that same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is alive inside of you and I. Now, I, I will be the first to tell you I'm nobody special. I'm just a guy. I'm a guy that loves my wife, my kids. I like to shoot guns and ride four-wheelers because I'm from West Virginia, and that's what we do. There you go. That's like, that covered my whole life right there, and eat cheeseburgers. I have just covered everything you ever will need to know about me. I'm just a guy. But when God began to give me the revelation of healing, God, I, I said, God, if I'm going to preach this, you're going to have to do it. And within a couple of years span of, of from here, and if you go back about two years, we've seen... A man with Parkinson's completely healed. He couldn't drive. They had taken his driver's license. He's driving today. I don't know if he should be, but it's not because of the Parkinson's. You know what I'm saying? It's just because some folks shouldn't drive. You know, and we saw a lady with scoliosis who couldn't walk standing up, and God straightened her spine in the altar in front of us. It was amazing to see. 
an elder in my church and I walked into a place as they pulled the plug on a lady and I and, and on life support and they said, you're going to need to step out because she's going to be going on. And we put our hands on her and to this day she is alive and well. Listen, that's the God I serve. We could go on story after story and it's, I, I, I don't pretend I'm like the next Smith Wigglesworth. I'm not. I'm just a guy. I'm a guy that loves Jesus and a guy that has a revelation of this. And more than anything, I want other people to get a revelation that Jesus is a healer and he wants to work through you. I want, I want you to get that revelation that Jesus is a healer and he wants to work through you. He wants to work through you. He, he doesn't have a plan B. We're it. We're it. There's a lost and a dying and a hurting world around us. Every day, we can walk down the streets and find people who are hurting. We can find people whose minds are bound up, whose bodies are broken. We can find people who have relationships that need healed. And God is sending us as an ambassador into the world to take his power and his authority to those folks that need it. An ambassador literally brings the power of the one they represent and walks in full authority of the one that they represent. The Bible says we're ambassadors ambassadors to this world. I'm not here under my authority. I'm not here under my power, but I stand here today under the power and the authority of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. I walk in his power and I walk in his authority. I'm absolutely nothing. I'm just reflecting him. And so I want you to be the same way. I want you to walk out of this place today with a determination that I'm going to go find somebody sick and I'm going to put my hands on them and I'm going to see them healed. That's what I want to see happen today. That same spirit that raised Jesus is in you. As I begin to think about this, this this quote came to me, and it's this. The God in you will not ignore the calamity around you. The God inside of you will not ignore all of the hurt and the pain that goes on around you. And he's looking for someone to be willing and able to be used to see that changed. But it wasn't just Jesus who healed. His disciples healed people too. Acts 3, at a gate called Beautiful, there's a beggar. We all know the story. And Peter and John are going up to prayer at the temple. And he reaches out his hand and he says, sir, can you give me alms? And Peter says, look at me. And you know his first initial reaction was, I'm about to get paid today. And he says, silver and gold, have I none? And that guy immediately, you just know his face fell. Then John, uh, Peter goes on and he says, but what I do have, I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. Get up from where you are and walk. You're healed today. And we see that happening. We have to recognize that what we have and what we don't have to have. We don't have to have a, a fancy church, honestly. We don't have to have a big building. We don't have to have a high-powered preacher. But what we do have to have is the anointing of the Holy Ghost. We, we don't have to have some big jet to get us there and a stadium to fill. But what we do have to have is the ability to be submitted to the Holy Ghost and an ear to hear when he says touch that one, speak to that one, minister to that one. And we have to have a willing heart to reach out and be his hands and feet to those who are lost and dying and hurting. Peter and John knew what they didn't have. They didn't have silver and gold, which is what the man was looking for. People are looking for a handout. They're looking for a hand up. They're looking for assistance. They're looking for all kinds of things. But what I came by to tell you is we have the best thing for them. We have the one thing that they absolutely need and may not even know that they need. And we have Jesus, and that is all that they need. And if we'll take him to a lost and a dying world, it will change that world around us. The only thing that will help this region is a Holy Ghost revival birthed in a place of prayer that sets the hearts of men and women on fire and fills them with the power to walk out of that prayer meeting and storm the gates of hell as overcomers. I don't know about you, but I'm sick and tired of watching people die from drug overdose. I just had a 20-year class reunion, and I've seen seven of my classmates die of drug overdose and suicide. And I'm just sick and tired of it. I'm tired of seeing people die. I'm talking people who've lived their life as saints of God die with their bodies racked of disease. I'm tired of the church laying down and getting kicked in the teeth by a devil that has no power and no authority. 
And if it's the last thing I'll ever do, I'll preach till the day I die that we have power and authority through the blood of Jesus Christ. And it's time for the church to stand up and take its place in a last day army that will see revival sweep this nation. We've got to do that. We are overcomers. I was 18 years old and I was, I thought I knew more than I did because most 18 year olds do. Thank you for the one person that was honest enough to say amen. And I was, I'd been, like I said, I've been ministering since I was 13. And, but I just was young enough and probably stupid enough to just absolutely believe that Jesus would do what he said he would do. Sometimes God just blesses ignorance, you know. I'm too stupid to listen to what everybody else said. And my grandmother was laying in a, in a bed in her house and she was dying. And her body was racked by cancer, just completely racked by cancer. And she was in so much pain. And I'd been reading a book on healing and the atonement of Jesus Christ. And my faith was just to jack to an all-time high. And... There was a minister in our family who I loved to death, and, and, and I still love him and respect him, but he walked in there, and he, he looked at her, and he said, Sister Nellie, you're just going to have to deal with this till you die. And something come up out of me that I didn't couch it in the best language because I was 18 and stupid, and I said something along the lines of, get out of this room. <laughs> and they were all sitting there around me, and I said, if, if you can't believe that God's going to heal her, I don't want you in here. And they were looking at me like I was crazy. They vacated the room, and me and two others stayed there. And we put our hands on her, and the power of the Holy Ghost came down. And she sat up, and she had a glow about her that I had not seen in two years. And she was, her face was fresh. I mean, she looked completely perfect. And she, she, she was on a feeding tube. She hadn't eaten in weeks, and she looked at us, and she goes, I want biscuits and gravy. <laughs> a woman after my own heart, glory to God. And she ate, and for two weeks, she was completely fine. And she laid down, and with no pain or anything, she went to sleep, and she woke up in the arms of Jesus. And listen, when it's your time to go, it's your time to go. I completely understand that. But I believe that as believers, as children of the promise and children of the covenant, we can go on, on the time that God has for us, but we can go with a perfectly heal, healthy body. I just believe that. I'm I just stupid enough still yet to believe that, just to believe that there's healing for us. I really do. And we should have that same attitude, just that I'm going to believe what God says, and we're going to be overcomers. The disciples didn't look down and say, Father, will you please heal this man? They said, in the name of Jesus, get up and walk. The difference here is that when people are, are sitting there going, oh, God, please do what... They are trying to get permission for something that's already been given to them. I have a three-year-old daughter. She's as beautiful as her mommy, and that's saying a whole lot. And, and she's just wonderful. And the other day, I was keeping them at the house, and she came up to me, and she said, Daddy, can I have something? And I said, well, yeah, and I gave it to her. Because 99.999999% of the time I give her anything she wants. Because I am a hard man. I'm just wrapped right around her finger and I do anything she wants. And she's holding it in her hand and she comes back to me and she says, Daddy, can I have... And she named the same thing and I looked down at her. And I looked up at her little face. I looked at her hands again. I looked at her little face and I said, Baby, you got it in your hands. Now, that's, that's way more spiritual than you're letting on this morning. Because we come up to God and we beg Him and we say, God, please. Oh, God, please, please, God, please. And God's going, you've already got it in your hands. By His stripes, we were healed. We were healed. People say, well, I don't know if it's God's will. I have just decided I'm going to get that out of my mind. And I'm going to pray for every sick person as if God is willing and able to heal them and I'm going to leave the rest in his hands. We're driving up here today and I told my wife, I said, I'm going to put my hands on some folks today and I'm going to believe that God's going to heal them and I'm going to leave the rest in his hands. I know he has the power. 
I know he has good things for his children. And I'm going to get together with a point of agreement with somebody in here this morning. I'm going to put my hands on you with anointing with oil like the Bible says in the book of James. And I'm going to believe that God heals you today. And we're going to put it in his hands. And I believe that he'll do it. And so I want to go over four quick keys to healing with you. And we'll just uh, hit these real quick. And then we're going to move on and pray for some folks. And, and, and I believe God's going to touch you. And you're going to like sitting here going, well, you, I didn't even need to come today because I'm not sick in my body. But can I ask you, are you tormented in your mind? Do you have peace in your heart? Do you have relationships in your life that need to be healed? Because when Jesus came to bring healing, he didn't just come to bring physical healing. He came so that our whole man, our spirit, our soul, our will, our emotions, everything could be healed. He wants us healthy. Completely, emotionally, physically healthy so that we can advance the kingdom on this earth. This is for all of us this morning. The first key to healing is you have to believe. I know that seems elementary and all of you are probably Jesus' second cousin, twice removed on his mama's side and you've been saved 38 years. I get that, right? And that seems really super elementary but sometimes we just have to go back to the basics and know that Hebrews eleven six says that he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. If we come to God, the Bible says we must believe. Mark 9.23 says, Jesus is saying to him, if you can believe, all things are possible to him that believes. Now listen, I know this is elementary, but you can grasp this. My wife's a kindergarten teacher, and she has to teach the same thing 78 times in a year. I couldn't do it. I'd go nuts. I'd be like, I've told you 34 times. Get it. You know, like I, I would just, I couldn't do it. I couldn't teach anything, to be quite honest with you. I'd I, I salute any teachers in here today. God bless your heart and your mind and give you strength in your body and, and God bless you. I just couldn't do it. But you have to just drill, you have to absolutely drill the basics until we get it. And here's the thing, it has to become second nature for us. The disciples didn't walk up on the gate beautiful and see the man on Solomon's porch and go, what are we going to do about this? Let me go read my Bible real quick. Let's have a prayer meeting together. We'll come back tomorrow after we fasted for 24 hours and we'll lay hands on him. Sometimes you don't have time to work yourself up. My roommate in college, his girlfriend got demon-possessed. And when she was dragging him by his hair up a flight of steps, I didn't have time to say, won't y'all come back in 72 hours after I get a three-day fast in? We had to put hands on her in the spiritual and cast that thing out immediately before something bad went down. I've been in places where, where people are, are going through situations and they need somebody who can pray right then and believe. So we have to believe, and it has to become second nature, that we just believe God will. And we just, bad stuff happens. Hey, guess what? I believe God's going to show up in the middle of it. My grandmother, Harmon, she was about four foot tall. On a good day, maybe weighed 130 pounds. And she carried more Holy Ghost in her than like T.D. Jakes and Billy Graham and, you know, you name six of them combined and this little Pentecostal lady carried the Holy Ghost like you wouldn't believe in her. And she was unflappable. I, I just want to be like her. Like, I've been, I was one time in a car with her and we were getting ready to wreck and I'm over there like sweating and crying out to Jesus and she just goes, oh Jesus. And I was like, when it was all said and done, you know, couldn't you have shown some emotion, lady? You know, and she was like, well, I knew he had us. I'm like, good. If you get so centered and you believe so much, it will get you to a place where people look at you and go, I want what they have. You have to believe. You have to understand that there are facts versus truth. The fact is, listen, I don't want to offend anybody in here. I didn't come to do that. And if I do offend you, I apologize. It's not in my intention at all. But some of these folks get real crazy and like, I was an EMT, and one time we were on an ambulance, and we looked at a lady, and we were like, so are you sick today? And she goes, oh, no, 
uh, I've never been sick in my life. I'm well in the name of Jesus. And I was like, ma'am, you are running 103 temperature. You're puking all over me. You're sick. The fact is that she was sick. But the truth was that Jesus was wounded for her transgressions and bruised for iniquities, chastisement of his peace upon him. By his stripes, she was healed. And so I'm not one of those that's ever going to deny the fact of, hey, man, I'm sick. But I'm healed through the power of Jesus. We've got to understand facts versus truth. Fact is, I don't have the money to live and make it, but the truth is that my God shall supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory. We have to believe Fact, you're a single parent trying to raise your kid right, and I don't know if it'll work out, but the truth is that before that baby was formed in the womb, God knew it, and God knows the thoughts that he has for you and for your children, and those thoughts are thoughts of good and not of evil to give you a future and a hope, and God said that you and all of your household will be saved, so you got to understand the facts may look one way, but the truth is, is that God is moving in the other, and you have to just continue to believe in him. The second key to healing is this. You have to ask. I know this is mind-blowing revelation this morning. You have to ask. Have you ever felt sorry for someone and you helped them out because you felt sorry for them? Well, that's not how God does it. I'll just go help you. God doesn't move on our behalf because of pity. God moves on our behalf because of faith. You would be amazed at how many people don't receive because they don't ask. James 4.2 says you have not because you ask not. Mark 6 says ask it will be given, seek you'll find, knock and the door will be open. In the Greek this actually means keep asking, keep seeking and keep knocking. That's the tense that it is. It's not just knock once. It's keep asking, keep knocking, keep seeking. How many of you ever walked up to somebody's house that you wanted to get in and you just went and just stood there? It doesn't work that way. I was an exterminator for a while and, and um, I did these apartment buildings in, in the ghetto and uh, I would show up and I would be pounding, you know, at 7 a.m. and I'm pounding on doors like this. You don't know how many people would open the door and go, man, I thought you were the cops. I'm going to knock on this door till somebody opens it because I'm going to get paid for spraying this place today, you know. I'm going to keep knocking until something happens. I'm going to keep asking until God shows up. I'm going, to, I'm going to go before him every morning and say, God, listen, I'm not here to bug you, but I'm just going to remind you that you are the one that made this body. You know exactly what it needs. You know what has to happen for me to be healed, and you have the power to do it. So this is my daily reminder that I believe you're able, and I'm asking you to go ahead and heal me today, Lord. Keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking. The unjust judge gave the widow justice because she was persistent. And how much more will God move for us when we're persistent? Number three, don't get hung up on the method. Don't get hung up on the method. We are absolutely horrible about this in the church. I need, I need three helpers, three people. Come up real quick and just stand right here. Don't argue about it. I'll just start picking people out. Thank you. Two more. You in the red shirt, you look good. Come on. One more, one more, I'm picking, come on. All right, there we go, good job. All right, I'm gonna show you something real quick. <clears throat> Jesus, three different times, heals a blind man. They're all three blind, we're gonna pretend. Anybody was good at pretend when they were a kid? I think we mess up, uh, you know. Yeah, now we are, there we go. I think we lose that as adults. We, we lose the ability to pretend. And I, I don't know, I feel like that pretending is a little spark of something inside of us that helps us to see things that are not as though they were. And it's, anyways, I'm not going to go there. But we're going to pretend that these three guys are blind. And Jesus heals three blind men. Now, this guy here, what's your name, sir? The really blind guy? Tom. Tom. Michael. Who? Anthony. Anthony. I got a feeling that that's not exactly right, but it's okay. So Jesus speaks here to this blind man, and he gets healed. Jesus touches this blind man, and he gets healed. Jesus spits in the mud and puts the mud on this blind man, 
and he gets healed. At the end of the day, is any one of these three less healed than the other one? But did Jesus use a different method to heal each one of them? Absolutely. And what happens is we get over here with Anthony and we make a little group and we go, if Jesus didn't spit in the mud and put it on your eyes, you're not really healed. And we get with this guy and we go, if Jesus didn't touch you like he did Michael, then you're not really healed. And we come down here and we go, if Jesus didn't speak to you, then you're not really healed. And we get so hung up on method that we miss the fact that Jesus is healing all three and he is able to work outside of our box and do it any way that he wants to. Thank you, guys. Thank you. And so what happens is we serve a God that refuses to be defined by our vocabulary and refuses to be shoved into our boxes. He can do whatever he wants to do, but we get hung up on the method. We've got to do church like we've always done church. We've got to sing like we've always sung. They've got to preach like they've always preached. We've got to have it just like we always had it. Or, or the flip side of it is we've got to have it completely new and we've got to sing it completely different. And I want to hear it preached somehow that's totally different. And all of a sudden we're fighting over the method and there's a world that's dying and going to hell when we have the power to see that changed. We have got to quit getting hung up on the method. The methods are ever changing, but the message never will. Jesus still saves, heals, and delivers. And if he wants to do it somehow different, then God bless, let him do it. I'm just desperate enough to ask him to come on God and do it and show up. The fourth and final thing is this. We have to meditate on the word. The Bible says he sent his word and healed them. Acts 14, Paul's preaching. There's no altar call. There's no nothing. And all of a sudden, the man is just, he's healed. Think about that for a minute. That's another method. In a few minutes, we're going to exercise that method. We're going to have some music, and we're going to come up, and I'm going to pray for you. I believe God's going to heal you. But you know what? Sometimes when I pastored, I would just not do an altar call, and I'd have people just turn around and lay hands on each other because sometimes we get so hung up, and I've got to come to an altar, and the preacher's got to put his hand on me. When it's not about me, it's about God working through someone. And, and so we have to understand this. The Bible says that faith comes by hearing, and hearing by what? The word of God. The Bible says of itself that it's a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path to show me where I'm going. And where I'm going is walking into the kingdom and in the kingdom there's healing and in the kingdom there's deliverance and in the kingdom there's freedom. We have to meditate on the word. My dad and I, we're, we're best of friends, but it wasn't always so. We had a really, really, really understatement of a rocky relationship I can't begin to describe to you without going into super detail how bad our relationship was for a long time. Um, and God's miraculously just restored that. And, and he is my best friend. And I, I try to talk to him every day. And um, he's got so much wisdom and I just love him. And, um, but during that time, God sent a man my way named Keith Mead. And Keith Mead is a preacher, preacher's preacher. Uh, Joker, I don't know how he does it, but He's so big, like a mountain, and I've seen him like walking on the backs of pews preaching, and I'm like, the pew is going to crack or you're going to die. I'm not sure which, and God somehow made it just possible that he got through. And God sent Keith Mead into my life, and, and Keith became a spiritual father to me. And Keith's sister, Kathy, just a wonderful woman of God, just powerfully anointed. And Kathy, um, she got sick. It was one of those things where when she went to the doctor, they looked at her and they were like, you've got about eight weeks to live um, because of the cancer in your body. And um, Keith went home that night and he got out the Strong's Concordance and he looked up every single verse on healing he could find. And he wrote them out by hand because this is like before computers because I'm old and uh, we didn't, you know, didn't have all those things. I'm from McDowell County. We probably didn't have computers even when everybody else did, so it's okay. And so he wrote them out by hand, every single scripture on healing he could find. And the next day he takes it to her and he said, I want you just to read these scriptures over and over. 
And so she began to, every day, she would just over and over read healing scriptures and declare them over her body. And eight weeks came and went, and she, you know, she had elected not to do chemo and stuff because they were like, it's just not going to work. And so eight weeks comes and goes, and she's still kind of going strong. And 10 weeks, 12 weeks, 16 weeks, so now she's at double the time they've given her, and she's not looking sick. She's not feeling sick. And so they're talking one day, and... um, she says, would it be a, a lack of faith to go back to the doctor? And he said, well, why are you wanting to go to the doctor? She said, I'm wanting to go get told that I'm healed. And he said, well, there's no lack of faith in that. And so she goes back to the doctor, and the doctor brings her in, and he puts up scans side by side, and one is riddled with cancer, and the other one's completely clear. And he says to her, he says, "Miss Walker, I have no idea how you went from this to this in about 20 weeks. He said, there's no medical reason. There's no way we can explain it. He said, but you're completely cancer-free. And she looked at him and she said, I'll tell you how. And she pulled out a copy. They had made a Xerox copy of all these scriptures. And she said, if you'd like to, you can start handing this out to your patients. Yeah, yeah, that's God. That's God. You have to meditate upon the word. The word is bread for our life, and we've got to meditate on it. Everything that we need for our life is wrapped up in here, and we've got to med- meditate on it. If the musicians will come and just give me, give me something here. I'm going to close with a little story. Many of you probably know who R.W. Schambach is, if, if you, or was. If you don't know, he's a, a great preacher of the previous generation, moved in, in the miraculous and saw miracles all the time, and... Uh, one time, there's a story that one time a blind Muslim imam came up to him, began to talk to him, and uh, said, you know, I'm, I'm blind, and, and I just want to be healed, and all of this. And Shambach looked at him and said, why don't you pray in the name of Muhammad, pray in the name of Allah, and if you're healed, I'll convert to Islam. And then, if you're not healed, I'll pray over you in the name of Jesus, and if you're healed... You convert to Christianity. So the Muslim man begins to pray and ask Allah to heal him and all of that. And of course, he wasn't because Allah is a dead God, a false God, and actually a demon spirit, but that's okay. And he begins to pray. Nothing happens. Shambach puts his hand on him. And in just a moment, the scales fell off of his eyes. He could see perfectly. And that imam converted to Christianity because he realized there's power in the name of Jesus. Listen, that's the same God that we still serve today. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And if he healed all who were oppressed when he walked on this planet in physical body, if his disciples could put hands on people and see them healed, if Smith Wigglesworth and R.W. Shambach could lay hands on people and see them healed, if I could see people healed in in a little town called Bolt, West Virginia, out in the middle of nowhere, then you can be healed today. He's no respecter of persons and he's not lost one ounce of power. And so this morning, I pray that your your faith has been stirred. I pray that your, your heart has been encouraged. And if you need healing today, if your mind needs to be healed, if your heart is broken and you need healing there, if your body is in a place where you need God to just come and move, today's your day. I absolutely believe that God brought me here for a purpose to lay hands on somebody. I don't know who it is so that God can move in your life. So as he begins to just play something, I want you just to bow your heads and close your eyes all over this place. I want you to begin to focus on Jesus the healer. We worship you, Jesus. Jesus. 